The Sport Industry Access Podcast, episode 141. What attitude do you need to be an international sports lawyer? Welcome to another episode of the Sport Industry Access Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bowers. As always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who is a sports expert in a specific field in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in sports law. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Dev Kumar Palmer. Dev is an international sports lawyer and principal director at Palmer's. Dev has worked in all aspects with regards to what is required to be a sports lawyer, with regards to all aspects such as player representation, management, legal advice, by supporting top athletes and coaches in a variety of sports around the world. For that reason, it's brilliant to have Dev on the show, and that's when today's episode, Dev will share his sports career journey and explain to you what it takes to be an international sports lawyer. Dev, it's great to have you on the show. Please, could you share your sports career journey to listeners? When did it all start? Well, first of all, Ed, uh, thank you very much for, for inviting me. Um, I'm, really, I'm really humbled uh, that I've been invited to, to speak to you and hopefully to share, share some of my experiences with some of your listeners. Um, and it started a long time ago. It started a long time ago. I've always had a strong interest in in the sport as as many as many young kids do when they're growing up however i think i formed an idea quite early in my mind that if i wasn't going to be able to practice sport uh, as a professional then i wanted to get into the legal side of sport i just didn't understand how uh, that could manifest itself so uh, i got into i got into the legal profession um cutting a long story short i got into the legal profession and um, I started effectively searching for, for routes ad hoc with regards to how I could um, apply my skills and my competencies. So it did start a long time ago, but I'm, I'm very blessed to say over the last six years, more or less, I've been able to practice, um, practice in the sports sector full time. Just really quickly, going back in time, can you remember that decision you took to go sports law? Because I assume... Back in your day, a lot of sports were still amateur, if that makes sense. <laughs> Back in my day, Ed. In, over, in regards to how things have developed for the last 20 years, sports law and how athletes are being represented is totally different to where it is now. And I was wondering if you could just share your decision making, why sports law and maybe instead of, let's say, in other sectors of sport, which was like sponsorship at the time is boomed as well. I was just wondering your decision making there. And you're still young, by the way. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, your, your, your listeners are not going to be able to see all the wrinkles on my face, so you can lie like that. Um, no, in relation to the decision-making, it's, it's not the most uh, clear and linear answer, unfortunately, uh, because as you rightly said, things have developed massively uh, since when I was uh, a student 
at um, at sixth form and then consequently in in university. And I didn't, to be fair, I, I didn't know or understand what sports law was as a concept. Or you know, if we if we talk about the academic concepts, you know, sports law or sport and the law. But either way, I didn't know that. I simply knew that I wanted to be a lawyer within the sector, and the reason for that was when I was younger, I had uh, I had certain core skills, and I was I was quite quite uh, clear in relation to what I was good at, which some some kids pick up quickly, some pick up a little later on down the lines. I knew that uh, going into the law would be would be my academic field if I wasn't going to practice in in any sporting discipline. And when I uh, realized that I wasn't going to be able to develop too much further in, in playing a sport at a, at a higher level, I just figured out that it makes sense for me to be a lawyer for sports people. But again, I didn't understand at the time how that would actually manifest itself. Uh, it was a journey that I had to embark upon and then um, take a lot of trial and error uh, decisions in order to find where I am now. So there, there wasn't a, a clear and linear pathway. Um, even now, with all of the development in the sector, there are a number of institutions, a number of practices which try and assist a budding sports lawyer in, in getting to where they want to go. But the pathway is still quite winding. Would you mind digging deep with regards to that pathway, just for a student who's listening in, maybe a first year, who's doing under undergraduate degree, would you mind explaining the step-by-step process you went through in a bit more detail from an academic perspective and then that transition into the career perspective? Absolutely. So my, my pathway was that I undertook the LLB, the undergraduate law degree at the University of Kent. Um, Uh, over here in the UK, University of Kent at Canterbury. Uh, After I graduated from the LLB, I went to train as a barrister at what was formerly known as the Inns of Court School of Law, which was subsequently purchased uh, by City University. So it's now part of City Law School, uh, but still physically domiciled in in Gray's Inn off uh, off of High Holborn. So I went over there, I did my my training um, and then I was working, uh, this is when all of the ABS uh, structures started to, to come into play because of the change in regulations. So ABS is the uh, alternative uh, business structures. And you, you found that a lot of barristers were joining law firms and there was more open access for solicitors to take their higher rights of audience and thus being able to practice as advocates in the, the, um, the Crown and uh, the higher courts. So there was a merging of, of the profession to a, to a certain extent. And I started working in a criminal law firm, uh, then went to another and another. Um, after that, I completed a second master's degree in City University in 2010, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and then I undertook a master's in sports law at uh, Instituto Superior de Derecho Economía in Madrid, uh, which is also known as ISDE commonly. Uh, and that is now where I'm a professor and a director uh, at this stage. So this was the academic pathway that, that I took. 
but again, it's not it's not a linear pathway. Uh, there are many many roads that lead to Rome, um, and I think there are different ways in which people can get into the sector. Uh, there's no real traditional route, so to speak. I think you've highlighted a really good point. There's no right or wrong. It's you discovering. But the one thing I want to touch on there, how important for you was to apply your knowledge into experience and sort of figure out as you go along? Because a lot of people just think, get the degree, get the job, everything will work out. But what you've just said there, it doesn't work like that. And from your position now as a principal on a degree program, what advice would you give there reflecting of what I've just said of getting that experience whilst you're learning? Well, I would say perseverance is key. Uh, it's, a, it's, a small, it's a small sector worldwide. Um, it's better developed. Sports law is better developed in some jurisdictions than others. But overall, in the grand scheme of things, it's a very, it's a very small niche sector that's growing exponentially. And ultimately, there's a lot more students that want to get into it than there are current places for those students or those trainees to 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 get into right now and the most important thing for me is 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 perseverance uh, be perseverant um, be patient be strong be focused and you'll get where you need to go to this is not an industry for quick wins uh, unfortunately we come across a lot of students Good, you know, good, good girls and guys who are very strong academically, but uh, they they complete the degree and maybe after two or three or six months, if they haven't got a job already, they start to they start to panic or they start to look elsewhere, and that's fine. You know, with respect, it may be that sports law is not actually for you at the end of the day. You know, not everything is for everyone, but for those that really want to get into the game. Uh, if they persevere and they keep showing their face and keep working hard to get into the sector, ultimately their time will come. And I've been fortunate to see that with a lot of my students from four or five years ago, where it may have taken them one year, 18 months, two years to get into the sector. But finally, they've broken through. And that is testament to their fortitude and their tenacity. Uh, with regards to to continuing to compete, to, to try and get through that door. I think what you talk about really relates to today's podcast topic, and you've touched on it already, but I just want to emphasise it. What attitude do you need to be an international sports lawyer? Everyone, everyone that knows me personally or has come across me uh, will know that I don't, I don't, um, I don't mince my words. Uh, I am, I'm a direct, I'm a straightforward individual. But with that. Uh, whilst I'm confident in my own ability and I'm, I'm aware of my my competences, it's important to retain humility uh, because it is a niche sector and there are people that have done more than myself. There are people that have achieved more than myself and there are people that are working fantastically in different sectors. Context is king, especially when you're working in the, the international uh, in the international field and it's imperative that you know how things actually work and go on in, in, in Brazil, in, in England, in Iceland, in India, in Australia, and, and so on. Uh, so one, I believe one must maintain a degree of, of humility and openness with regards to how they approach the, 
the sector. I think you've got to have a, a, an open and a humble attitude, soak in everything you possibly can academically and practically. But by the same token, don't, don't forget who you are. Don't forget your strengths. Don't forget where you can add value. Um, and I think there's a fine balance between being confident and arrogant. And, you know, it's something that is something that invariably challenged me when I was younger as well. You know, it's something that comes with, with time and experience. Uh, but you've got to have the, the attitude that you're willing to learn and to develop. Out of interest, this is one area I want to touch on too for students who are discovering themselves, as I said, buying their time with experience. What skill set, reflecting now, have you improved throughout your legal career in sports? I think adaptability. Over time, I've become more, more agile with regards to how I approach uh, situations uh, and how I, uh, how I manage uh, situations, how, how I strategize about situations and how I manage situations. Now, fundamentally, uh, if, we, if we look at the dispute side of it, because, of course, when we're talking about law, we've got non-contentious work where we're drafting bits and bobs and we've got dispute work or contentious work where we're actually disputing things before a tribunal. From a dispute side, fundamentally, uh, there is always going to be uh, the, same, the same spine of a case. Uh, there's going to be, uh, you know, the, the claim, the, the response or the defense and, and submissions on both sides and, and so on and so forth. Of course, there are nuances based on whether you're in the adversarial system or the inquisitorial system, but the, the, the core fundamentals are the same. However, all of the, the peripheral information and the procedures uh, around this spine, they, they can differ. They can be interchangeable based on the type of forum that you're arguing in or the nation that you are arguing in uh, or the origin of the, the people on the tribunal and, and so many other variants. And it's important to be agile, to be able to deal with all of these types of situations effectively. So I think I've become more adaptable over the last 10 years. Uh, I believe I was, I was a lot more rigid when I was training at the bar. Uh, and this is not a criticism of the, the training I undertook because it was extremely high quality, but ultimately you're taught to do things in one way. And naturally, as a, as a young individual, I came out of, out of uh, the, the course thinking that, uh, you know, there's only one way to do things. And you, you soon realize that whilst that way is very probative and it can work for a lot of different situations, uh, it's not the only way to do things. And, and that way may not necessarily work in, in uh, Ghana, uh, but it may work effectively in Canada and so, and so on and so forth. So I think... Uh, whilst I had to be quite perseverant in getting to where I, uh, I wanted to get to, I also had to, to become a lot more flexible in my approach. I find this really interesting. Out of interest, what have you been up to recently and what's your main role? So in addition to, I briefly mentioned to you that I'm, um, I'm, I'm absolutely humbled and blessed to have been appointed uh, a director at ISDEC. Um, which was the institution that I studied in and then I subsequently uh, worked and work as a, a professor at. Uh, however, I'm also the principal director at my own private practice. It's a boutique sports law firm 
most of our work is international, even though we have bases in the UK. And as, as, as you know, Ed, I'm from, I'm from the UK. I'm born and raised in northwest London. So uh, we've got an office in Madrid as well. And at the moment, we're just expanding or looking into expansion into to Central Europe. So most of my time goes into managing the practice and, and dealing with the casework because we've got we've got um, a group of young associates who are fantastic, by the way. They, you know, they're going to be far better lawyers than I uh, one day. But at the moment, they're still going through their training. So it's just managing the practice, managing their training, leading up all of the casework that we've, we've got, uh, as well as trying to impart a bit of knowledge when I turn up as a professor once in a while. <laughs> How do you cope with the balance there out of interest? Uh, with difficulty. Um, <laughs> I think the best person to answer that question would be, would be my missus, to be honest, or, or, uh, or some of my, my juniors who uh, liaise with me on a day-to-day basis. Um, I enjoy it. Uh, I enjoy it. One, one of, as with everything, I believe every, everything is a, is a gift and a curse, depending on what perspective you look at it. And, um, I am I am a workaholic, and that is a gift in the sense that I'm I'm able to manage quite a lot at the same time and manage everything effectively and to a high standard, uh, or what you know I, I understand my my clients and colleagues believe is a high standard. Um, but the curse of it is that sometimes you've got to to start trying to realise where the balance needs to be applied. Um, and it does have an impact. Uh, I'm, I'm not actually, even though I'm quite talkative, I'm not the most social person, if one can put it that way, purely because I enjoy my work. That's not to say that any young student has to be a workaholic to get into the, the industry. Um, but, uh, you know, just to, to go back to your question, how do I manage? I manage quite well, but ultimately it does have an impact on, on other things that I may have wanted to, to do when I was younger or other people coming up in the game right now would, would place a lot more importance on than I, such as spending time off on a weekend and, and so on and so forth. Well, Dev, I can definitely hear your passion, but most importantly, enthusiasm in the work you do. And you've touched on it very briefly, but reflecting now from your whole career, what have you enjoyed the most from your journey looking back? <laughs> what have I enjoyed the most? Um, I enjoy tomorrow. That's what I enjoy. And I, I, I look forward to tomorrow every single day. Every, every day has been, has been a blessing. Uh, I've been absolutely delighted with, um, with the way things have gone over the last few years in, in particular. And there are a number of highs. So it will be, be inappropriate for me to single out one particular thing. Uh, even now, I'm looking forward to what we're going to get on with, with tomorrow. We've just this morning received another instruction uh, at CAS, which is, which is fantastic. Um, uh, so in that sense, I'm always looking forward to the future. Uh, but I am also, I'm also massively proud about what, what we have achieved. I think, I think my academic work gives me a lot of joy. I like seeing, I like seeing the students come through the system uh, I like being able to try and assist them as much as possible uh, and then seeing them flourish. So seeing guys and girls who were in my classes three or four years ago now presenting on panels at sports law congresses 
uh, or uh, coming up against me or my company in uh, in, a, in a dispute or something like that. Uh, it's it's beautiful to see for me. Um, I believe in I believe in access access to to participation, uh, access to the industry, uh, and I believe in in opening doors. So it's it's really good to see when you've had a small part in assisting or developing one of these younger people or younger practitioners, and then they flourish and become, uh, become, uh, you know, good lawyers in their own right. I, I enjoyed that. Well, Dev, I really enjoyed what you've just said. And I've actually respect you even more because that's why we go to university. That's why we study sport to hopefully work alongside the people we got taught from. And I really do believe this is a great, time of the interview to finish with an inspirational question and you provided great advice throughout this podcast chat but what advice would you give to university students who are about to graduate what tips would you give them when starting their real career in sports law well again my, my pathway wasn't wasn't a, a, a traditional uh, straightforward uh, pathway my journey has been um quite long-winded in one sense in fact I was speaking to one of my mentees just the other day and she was she was asking me asking me the same thing and I said listen I'm not going to be able to say a b and c and you're done Uh, but I I can tell you what I did it may not necessarily work for you but at the very least it should open your eyes to the fact that there are different different routes to to achieve your goal don't give up and also when you find someone that is willing to support you uh, and that may be a professor, that may be a friend, that may be a practitioner, that may be your auntie. You know, it could be anybody. But you find someone that's willing to support you and to believe in you, latch on to that individual. Latch on to their energy and channel that energy in a positive way. Uh, that's that's what, um, what I would say. Don't give up. Persevere. Be patient. And you'll achieve what you want to achieve. And uh, without sounding harsh, if one can put it that way, if you're not willing to be patient, then maybe you've got to come to the realization that uh, it's not what you want to do. And if that's the case, and that's, 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 that's life, you know, it's not, again, it's, it's not for everyone and everything isn't for everyone. So if that's not what you want to do, establish what you do want to do. And, and go and thrive in that area, whether it's something that you want to, to study, whether it's something that you want to work in. Go, go and do what you want to do and, and maximise yourself. That is absolutely fantastic, Dev, and I really do hope the listeners take that on board. How can people interact with you online? How can people interact with me online? I, I, I just Personally, I just got onto Twitter a short while ago. Um, it's a fascinating world out there. Uh, so at... Uh, DKP uh, underscore official uh, is my my Twitter handle. Um, our website is www.paramars-sports.com. Uh, all of my details and all of my company's details are there. And if anyone ever had any queries, then they'll be more than welcome to contact me via email or to try and get in touch on, on, on Twitter or LinkedIn. My full name, Dev Kumar Palmar, is, uh, is my LinkedIn profile. So, yeah, always invited. Um, again, I'm very 
I'm very blessed that we get students contacting us and myself uh, more than daily, more than daily. We, we get dozens every single week asking questions and I do my best to respond to every single one. So uh, you're absolutely invited if you've got any questions about the sector, about my pathway, uh, what potential next steps may be. No problem for me. That is fantastic. To all the listeners listening in, all those links will be on my website relating to this blog post. Dev, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time, Ed. Uh, Thank you to everyone that listens or is still here at the end of it. And uh, of course, Ed, for for education to support anything I can do or my company can do to to support you in your movement. Uh, You're doing wonderful things and I hope that you continue to grow. So keep spreading the word, keep spreading the message, keep working hard and uh, and great things will come to you, young sir. So whatever we can do, we're, we're always here for you. Thank you for your time. What a brilliant podcast chat with Dev. For me, the biggest learning lesson I've taken from this interview is that no career is so simple as a linear journey, meaning people, include myself, we think, yeah, I want to do this and it may take step one, step two, step three. And when all those steps are completed, we've got to our destination. But truthfully, it doesn't work like that. We may get to step one, which is the starting point. We may get to step three and then we go back to step two. And the point I'm saying this is everybody's career journey is going to be different, but you're going to get some hidden gems with regards to the process, with regards to what can be achieved if you're willing to put in the hard work and dedication like Dev has with regards to his real interest in law and applying it into the sports industry. And from a legal perspective, I hope you've got a better understanding what is required to be a sports lawyer, but it's not as simple as we already discussed just then that you just get the degree, get into law, and then you've got the career. It's all about establishing yourself. It's all about how you represent yourself in the market. And when you do through experience, that is how your sports legal career will really grow and flourish. Like That's what I've really admired from Dev is he's put in the hard work. He understands the academic world of sports law, but he's also practicing it in his own legal firm. And that's really important because he's seeing both worlds of why sports law is important from an academic perspective, but also from a practical perspective of how he looks after his clients, for example. So I hope this interview has provided you a real insight of the reality of what it takes to pursue a career as a sports lawyer, which you can apply to your sports career ambitions if this is the pathway you want to pursue a career in. So look, take on board what Dev said. He's a brilliant guy in the industry, a person you should model off with regards to what it actually takes to pursue a career in this sector of the sports industry. Make it happen and good luck. Now, as always, at the end of each interview, I like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Dev said, you need to be patient and come to the realisation by establishing what you want to do and thrive in that area within the sports industry by maximising yourself.